All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 214. Anthony Davis thinks the Lakers suck. The Clippers are finally figuring it out. Is Steph Curry the most beloved player in NBA history? And Drew has a trade that'll make Boston, Philly, and the Minnesota Timberwolves very happy. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 214. We got drama in L.A., Drew. Anthony Davis quoted (laughs) as saying, we suck. The Lakers are not looking too good right now. A lot of bad things going on. Giannis just sunned the whole team the other night, almost getting a 50-piece. There was a bright spot with the Lakers to me, which is the return of THT, who just looked phenomenal like that's the player you want on your team he obviously spent a lot of time working in the offseason what a great asset to have even Malik Monk looked really well I have a few questions though the sure. question the, well first question is when are we going to get LeBron back and, and I didn't mean to say we when are the Lakers going to get LeBron back they said he might be playing um, on Friday tonight against the Celtics um, and then what is that going to mean moving forward because like we're seeing THT Seems like he's going to be a really good asset to the team. He's doing things that that the Lakers aren't doing at the moment. Uh, defensively, he looks great. Energy looks great. That's the kind of guy you want. But what, what do you think? What, what do you think right now? What do you think is the state of the Lakers at the current moment? Are you scared at all? No, I'm not scared yet. I mean, they're, it, the season's still young. We've played 16 games. We're 500 through that. And LeBron has only been around for five, I think, five or six of those games. So I'm I'm still status quo. I I mean, look, there's not a whole lot of new stuff for me to cover about this Lakers team other than the guy that you brought up, Taylor Horton Tucker, who looks fantastic. I mean, that's the reason that I think the Lakers organization felt comfortable with letting Alex Caruso go is because Taylor Horton Tucker is this up and coming kid who's significantly younger than Caruso and brings a lot of the same things that Caruso does as far as offensively and and on is a much better offensive player than Alex Caruso is. He's still lacking a bit on defense, but his wingspan is so long that we think that there's room for him to grow defensively to maybe fill the hole that, uh, you know, KCP and Caruso have left in the wake of that Russell Westbrook trade. And so specifically for him, fantastic to see him on the court. I think, uh, you know, per- potentially – our, our record could have been a little bit different and maybe a few more wins under our belt had he been available from the beginning of the season. Uh, but he had the thumb problem, which he needed to get surgically repaired. So it held him out until these last three games. And he's been so damn good, dude. I mean, look, right now he's averaging 23 points, seven rebounds, two assists. And the assist numbers, I would love to see that get a little bit higher. Uh, but I mean, he's finishing at the rim. He's definitely our best finisher at the rim right now outside of like Anthony Davis. And the way that he can get into the basket is is it's an elite level of attacking the rim and being able to finish in traffic. I, I don't know too many guys that are better than him at doing that in this NBA. Uh, I mean, there is there's several that are very good, but I, you John know, Morant. 
John Morant is is definitely better than him at that. Mm-hmm. But but Talon does things below the rim that Jaw cannot do. Jaw obviously takes it just another level higher and just hangs in the air for way longer than anybody else that can defend him. It's it's pretty incredible how like his hang time is outrageous. I I know the Clippers just played uh, Memphis, but I there was a few times in that game where I'm just like how how high can you how long can you stay in the air for uh, anyway we'll get THT to that. doesn't we'll get to that. yeah THT doesn't do that but he has all he has all the touch from both hands you know spinning off the backboard and up and unders and all that good stuff and I just think he's a he's a phenomenal talent I'm very happy that we ended up with him as a second rounder uh, I think the rest of the league has to look at themselves a bit and go like how did we miss this guy because he is certainly one of the top players in that draft. Um, whether I think it was three years ago, and we snagged him in the second round, and he's going to be a vital player for us. Now, you know, since since we last were recorded, the Lakers were coming off a nice win against Miami in a very tight game, and Russell Westbrook played probably his best game of the season. Um, Anthony Davis was good, and you know, we that was a big win for us. And since then, we've lost three out of the four games that we've played including a very, very bad game to Minnesota. Uh, we did beat San Antonio, which is good. Uh, but then we lose to Chicago in another dismal performance. And then Milwaukee, it was just Giannis, to be fair. Uh, as as bad as it might have looked at times, that was the best third quarter the Lakers have played this season. They're only uh, good third quarter. They're only yeah. good third quarter. Yeah, as I mentioned in the last one, we're the worst third quarter team in the NBA, and that's when games really can be won or lost in the third quarter. Uh, for instance, like the Warriors are the best third quarter team in the NBA, and you can see what that means to their record. So I would still say that, you know, if I'm looking from an optimistic standpoint, which I have continued to do as much as it pains me, that third quarter was really important. Now, Anthony Davis, I think, is something I need to address here because as much as he, as, as you brought up, his comments as to like, we suck and we need to be better and we're not a championship team. I agree with that. But I also think when when he says that comment, it, there's there's at times where I don't know if he's also including himself in the we exactly. as we suck. It almost felt like a pointing the finger at everyone else sucks and I don't suck. But he did suck in this Milwaukee game and Giannis completely owned the guy. Uh, a few years ago, as little as maybe let's just call it three years, I don't know any single person who would have picked Giannis over Anthony Davis as far as like who's the better basketball player. Uh, Giannis has certainly surpassed him in those three years. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll just call it four years, I guess, because Giannis's first MVP was, I believe, three years ago. But uh, even in that MVP season, for the first MVP season for Giannis, I still think a lot of player, a lot of people would have chosen Anthony Davis based on his offensive skill set, his defensive prowess over somebody like Giannis, who was just more of a physical force than anything else. Giannis has obviously improved uh, his skill level in that time, and he looks fantastic. But he had 28 points in the first half. He had 47 points in the game, and that's almost half of the points that Milwaukee scored. And the majority of them were bulldozing right through Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis in that game finished with 18 points and nine rebounds, which is not terrible. Uh, nine of 15 shooting, also not terrible. But it was in, in games like this, when Anthony Davis is facing a, a rival as far as potentially the best player in the league at the position that he plays, 
you would hope that there would be a little bit of extra effort and energy and dog. And I'm not going to let this guy do this to me or to my team out of Anthony Davis, which was completely not there. And at times he was looks- there though, Drew, is it ever there for you? That's so that's that's kind of what I'm getting to is that at times it looks like he's disinterested in in trying to face up against Giannis and, and take the battle on his shoulders where, you know, uh, in the past, Lakers have had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and, you know, Magic Johnson. We have all these guys that have taken that like, you know, Magic loved to beat Larry Bird in those years right. and tried very hard to beat Larry Bird and Shaquille O'Neal. Anytime there was like a center that would come across uh, like Kobe Bryant, same thing. Any, anytime that somebody was trying to be like, I think I'm better than you. LeBron uh, as well. LeBron Le- as well. LeBron also. Exactly. Uh, they, they take that personally. And it almost feels like Anthony Davis is too cool for school in those moments. And that's something that that scares me more than the win loss record. Uh, because, you know, when we got Anthony Davis uh, a couple seasons ago, there was a real sense of cool. LeBron will hand the torch to this guy and he will be, you know, chomping at the bit to be the leader for this team. And I, I completely think that that's not ever going to happen now based on what we've seen out of Anthony Davis when LeBron is out. And I think that to me is the, is the most troubling part of the Lakers future is I don't trust Anthony Davis to be a good enough leader or to want it enough to take this team on his shoulders and be the dominant force that we all thought he was going to be when we got him. I think you hit it on the head when you said disinterested. Right. It's kind of like when he said, I heard the same thing that you heard when he said, we suck. He got owned that game against Milwaukee. And when are the you comments, the comments about the, we suck happened before the Milwaukee game, right. just, to, just for everyone's awareness. Right. I should have put that more in reference, but when are you going to take accountability? You are a superstar. You just got named top 75 player of all time. You and Russell Westbrook, you guys should, and this isn't me dogging on the Lakers for my Clipper fanhood. You guys should be better. You have two of the top players in NBA history, but it exactly what you said about AD. I don't see the fight in him. It looked like he didn't even want to play against Giannis. And Giannis is the completely complete opposite. He's like, yo, I'm going against AD tonight. I'm going to bring him everything I've got. And he did. And AD's never been that guy, though. I mean, I don't think you were ever expecting getting the alpha AD. He's never been an alpha AD. I kind of was expecting that. I think that's the thing. That was that's how it was sold to us. Is is this guy's going to be able to take the reins when LeBron finally rides off in the sunset? And it's just not going to happen. And do, do you see a future with uh, Russell and AD carrying the torch for the Lakers? The- no, no. Uh, you know, at, at this point, I think like just just to continue on the Milwaukee game. I honestly think the Lakers played good in that game. I, I do. I think we, as a team, it was one of the better performances, even though we lost. Because while Giannis was just dominant, the rest of the Bucks really w- weren't able to get in their groove. I mean, nobody else scored above 20 points from Milwaukee in that game. But I think overall, that was a good team performance. And I'm looking at the box score here. Russell Westbrook had 19 points, 15 assists. That's, that's exactly what I would love out of Russell Westbrook on a, on a day-to-day basis, game-to-game basis. He actually hit two threes <laughs> in that game, and he only had three turnovers. And I say only because the dude averages like six or seven. Right. So only is good. Um, so from a team perspective, I actually think sometimes what, – what, what's that saying? The fish stinks from the head. Right. And without LeBron, 
Anthony Davis is the head. As much as Russell Westbrook is is uh, was deservingly getting trashed a bit for how bad he's played, Anthony Davis is right there with him. I mean, at what I brought up on the last one is how poorly he's shooting from outside of 15 feet. That continues at this point. Um, at least he's not shooting as many threes as he was, but he has to get better. And, you know, I think the we suck thing is correct. I don't think we're a championship team right now. Um, but until LeBron comes back, as I've been saying, I, it's really hard for me to just like say, like to write off the season. Because when he's been on the court, we do have a pathway to success. I can see it. And now with Taylor Horton Tucker, you know, potentially, you know, being able to be in that, that shooting guard role alongside Russell Westbrook, we get LeBron back, we get AD out there. I, I need to see it. I, I have to see it before I can just t- say that the season is completely written off. Well, I wasn't asking you to say that. I don't expect you to say that. Obviously, you're going to be better when LeBron comes back. But there is a domino effect when LeBron comes back. The, the, the touches for THT for, for everybody are going to go down. Um, and obviously, like they've had somewhat of some chemistry without playing without LeBron and then bringing LeBron back in. You know, you'll be a better team, but it'll take touches away. Nobody's really talking about Vogel, though, either. I found it interesting in that Bucks game, starters for the fourth quarter. This was who, who was in with 842 left in that game. It was Rondo, Monk, Ellington, Bazemore, and Jordan, right? That's who is playing at that moment. To me, that doesn't look like the, the right team to be out there. So when are we going to – you know, we said from the beginning of the year that Vogel's going to have a, a, a big task in front of him as far as managing – all of these players trying to keep them happy. It's hard as a as a coach to make your whole team happy. You do have a full bench of really good players. And mind you, I want to go back really fast. THT reminds me of a young Trevor Ariza. There's, that's just one player he reminds me of a lot. Um, but Vogel's going to have to fin- figure it out too. You know, Monk looks looks really good out there. THT looks good out there. Ellington really hasn't fit, fit, fit in. Baysmore defensively, okay. Um but and then Reeves hasn't played in a while, right? He was getting a lot of minutes. Is he hurt? What's the deal with him? Yeah, it's a hamstring problem for Reeves. That's why he's not playing. I, he would have definitely helped us, and I still think he's going to help us moving forward. Austin Reeves, uh, I I agree with with your sentiment about Vogel. I do think he's safe though because he did win a championship for us, and we value that here. Uh, and we will give him the leash. He's not going to get fired this year. Uh, I mean, un- unless we go on a, like a historic losing streak. Right. And honestly, even if that happens, I wouldn't want to fire him because I look around the league and I don't know who would take the job and do a better job with it. Uh, so I'm comfortable with Vogel now. I do think something that we've we've addressed since day one with all the injuries, it, it's going to take some time and and very few of those players are back. And we've had a couple that have been out since the start of the season, including LeBron and Austin Reeves and things like that. So I do think the Bazemore signing is not working the way that we were hoping it would. Uh, the kid shot a great percentage from three last year. He is not doing that. He's not meeting the the three-point percentage that we need him to do because he's he's taking wide-open shots in the corners and everywhere. Really, I mean, I, he doesn't take very many contested shots because he doesn't need to. Uh, so it's it, but it's coupled with the fact that he's no longer an elite defensive player. You can see it. He's he's a step behind most players that he's trying to defend, and unfortunately for him, he's out there on a on an island because he is our he's supposed to be our best defender. But I I much rather see Avery Bradley on the court uh, than than Kent Bazemore at this point. I just don't think that Bazemore has what he had four or five years ago. He's getting older. I mean, he's not the oldest player on, on our team. We know that there's a lot of guys older than him on the squad. 
but what he was supposed to bring to us is a three and D and he is not matching either of those. In my opinion, he's, he's, I mean, our, our buddy douchebag John and I chat back and forth about Bazemore and it's just like, he, he tweeted What's something. John say? What's John say? Uh, he, well, he he tweeted something. He was like, day after day, brick after brick, as, as if, like, he's supposed to be building, like, you know, continuing to work hard. And then John John sent me this thing where the guy responded, like, that's the problem. Brick after brick is the fucking problem. That's what that's what we're looking at here. Yes, we, we are well aware that there's brick after brick right. on the court. Um, so I just think in order for us to have success to and, and kind of reach even close to the expectations that were set for this team, uh, he's going to have to step up and everyone that is unhealthy right now has to get healthy and then stay healthy. And then once that happens and Vogel's still fucking up the lineups, right? Like if every, if our full, if our full roster is ready to go and Vogel still has the lineup out, like to start the fourth quarter that you mentioned. All right. Then, then we can really start taking shots at Frank. But before that happens, I'm he's off limits for me as far as like, any real uh, blame here for what's going on. I, I, or I mentioned in the last one, there is some stuff that I think he can do better. Uh, but, you know, I think he's kind of right now he's coaching with one hand behind his back. If you'll, if you'll allow that analogy. Uh, they did announce that as of Christmas of this season, the Staples center will now be known as crypto.com arena. Right. I, I had to read this twice. And first of all, what a horrible name for an arena. And second of all, nobody that I know, especially from Los Angeles, will ever call this place crypto, okay? It's never going to, it's not going to be the crypto palace. It's not going to be the crypto castle. It is going to be Staples Center from, from here to the end of time, as long as it stands. Um, that was like a shot out of left field though, right? And then you came out and mentioned the, the price tag on it and let the people know what the price tag is to get your name on the Staples, your company's name on the Staples Center. The, the price tag for this one is, the, is believed to be the largest naming rights deal in the United States history. Uh, it's a $700 million deal for 20 years. Um, and you know what? Paid in, I, paid I don't paid in crypto I, for sure. Yeah. We, I, I don't know. I, I, for 700 million, I'm pretty sure the Lakers are like, call it whatever the fuck you want. Like, well, I don't give a shit what it's called. Uh, I, it is, it's a sad day for, for Laker fans to like see the name change, but it's still the same, the same arena. I will have to say also like, when's the last time you went to Staples? I'm talking about the store. store? Never, yeah. never. So it was probably time for a change, right? Like <laughs> there's all these names cha- changes throughout the league every year. There's usually an arena that's changing its name or, you know, the new sponsorship comes here and there. And look, this is the price of doing business. I don't think Staples is the, the company. I don't think the company Staples is worth $700 million. No, no. So it was a great run for that company to still be called the Staples Center. There's a, number, just, there's a number in my head that I, I think I remember and I could be so wrong, but I think Staples paid $20 million. To be stable, to be the state. I think that's what it was. I need to, I need to go back and look at it. But if you think about, even if it's two hundred million, seven hundred million is significantly different, and yeah. to- totally worth it, right? Yeah, and I think look, we'll still probably end up accidentally calling it the Staples Center or intentionally. I know some people are like, I'm never going to call it the Crypto Center. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fucking matter what you call it. It's the same court. It's the same place where the Lakers play, uh, and now hey, it looks Clippers. like. And well, for the Clippers for a, for a short period of time because your new arena is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the positive is that if you uh, if you have some Ethereum or Bitcoin, you can slide in there and, and just pay 
for the hundred dollar beers with with uh, with your with your coin. It's probably true. Um, so the other team that plays is Staples, my boys, Clippers. I won't I won't spend too much time on this, but we we've been on a roll. We've been on a roll minus last night's L in Memphis, which I was kind. Of, it's one of those days, Drew. You know when I get the feeling like I don't think we're going to win tonight. Like we've been playing so freaking well um, for the past you know nine ten games, and having six games at home also help. But I'm taking a lot of positives away from the past 10 games. And the positives being, number one, Eric Bledsoe, who I've been hard on. Okay? And, and I'm kind of going to go with Paul George on this, who said after one of the games, one of his bad games was like, yo, I don't think people understand how hard it is to come into a new team and a new offense and learn it and get the chemistry. And it does take time. So I have been hard on Eric Bledsoe, mostly for the, for the shooting. And that has turned around. That's turned around. He's he's been shooting better. I think he's he's getting his feel on offense, his feel for the for the players. I think he's realizing you know his bread and butter is within 15 feet and taking it to the rack. Uh, he, he's been very good. Luke Kennard has been. I mean, I could sit here and talk again, like I like to talk, Drew, about Paul George all I want because he's <laughs> been absolutely phenomenal uh, as usual. And last night he was great too. I mean, there was a streak there last night where I just kept saying, "Wow, wow." Wow, what this guy can do with the basketball is unbelievable. But the little things, the Luke Kennard, who's shooting his, his ass off. Do you know right now the top, the two top plus minus players in the NBA are Steph Curry and Luke Kennard? Crazy stat, right? And again, this is I'm seeing a completely different player in Luke Kennard uh, than I did last year. The confidence, he's taking the shots that he's supposed to take, looks great. Um, the Isaiah Hartenstein, who I'm stopping calling Hartenstein because I hate saying that. I asked our listener or our people on our Instagram page, please send me nicknames. And I've, uh, excuse me, I think it's Valdez or what somebody said, yo, Brett, the hitman Hartenstein, you got to call him the hitman. Love hitman. That is his name from now on. Hitman. I like it. Also, fun fact, he's two years younger than Terrence Mann. Who would have ever thought that? Yeah, he's 23. 20, 23. And, and, and uh, T-Man's 25. Unbelievable. His energy, his effort, again, has been great for us. He seems to always be in the right spot. Um, you know, and, and once we can figure out this whole Ibaka thing, uh, we're going to have a three-headed monster at the center position. Zubak has been playing great over the past four or five games. There's, I still want him to work on his hands. His, you know, And I think him and Bledsoe are trying to figure that out. Um, he doesn't like to catch the ball at, at his knees. DeAndre Jordan was really bad at that as well. If you throw it up to Zub, he's very good with that. He's got the little hook shot that's working well, shooting 75% from the line. Uh, I love it. I love everything that he's doing right now. And I, I'm fine when he comes off the court because Harden, uh, Hitman, excuse me, uh, comes in and plays a really good role, right? Really good role. Rebounds, a lot of offensive rebounding. He can pass. Him and Luke Kennard have this little backdoor thing that they've been, that they're, they've been really good at. Bottom line on this right now is I think our team chemistry is really working. I see it with the guys. I, I watch, you know, I'm a big guy of watching the bench, how players react to other players scoring. And if you look at like the best teams in the NBA right now, like the chemistry on Golden State is amazing, right? The chemistry on Washington right now is amazing, like really good. And it looks like they're having a really good time, fun time playing together. And just the collective effort on defense. Last night, our defense wasn't there. Every single game this season, that's what's been winning the ball games for us. So, plus the play of Paul George, who, once again, this week was not on the top 10 MVP list. I'm bringing this up one more time. Montrez <laughs> Harrell was at sixth, okay? Montrez <laughs> Harrell was at sixth again. 
I am. People are like, well, you think you should win the MVP right now? No, I'm saying you, he has to be in the conversation. If he's not in your conversation, you don't know basketball. Should Steph be number one? Yes. Should Jokic or Giannis maybe be number two? Yes. And then from every, DeMar, I'm fine with. Be in there. Durant. Durant, that's fine. But if he's not in your top five, I'm going to have an issue with you. So I'm not upset about last night's game. We mentioned it earlier about Ja. I like Memphis, all right? I think they have something special with Jaron Jackson and with, with um, Ja. I'm shocked at just how really good Jaron is in the paint and at the three. Not scared to take the three. Shot a lot of them last night at a high clip. And that's, like, I don't remember, like, a really good dominant big that could shoot threes like that, right? And he's learning from Ja. There was probably five plays, Drew, that you brought up where it's just Jaw taking it to the rack and hanging in air long. We played good defense. I mean, Zub's there. Eric Bledsoe was on every single play. But the fact that this guy is so vertical and can hang in the body control to be able to put it in the rack, Jaron Jackson has that same thing too. Also, I do not like Dylan Brooks, but I would take him on my team. Dylan Brooks reminds me a lot of our hatred for like campaign, right? I don't like Dylan Brooks. He was jawing all night last night, but I'll take him on my team. I think Desmond Bain is is turning into be a really good basketball player. Kyle Anderson, who's just, you know, slow-mo, best nickname in the NBA, is still a very good basketball, a very good basketball player, knows his role. They're, I think they're one, I think Steven Adams is perfect for them, right? We were a little confused about Jonas, right? But Steven Adams doesn't have to do anything but rebound, block shots, and set screens. Jaron can do the rest of it. So I do think they're like one more player away. From, from something like really special. But I also think that people want to come play with Ja. I don't think it'll be hard for them to find that guy. I think it would be just so much fun for one day for me to be able to play basketball like Ja Morant. I just think it would be so much fun. Imagine how much fun that is, just knowing you can jump 12 feet in the air and you can catch any lob and you can get by anybody. You're like the fastest guy on the court. I've never, ever, I mean, maybe since like third grade, been the fastest guy on the court. I that's you know it's video game stuff right the stuff that he does at his size it's remarkable um Dylan Brooks is has been out for the beginning of the season he just came back I believe it's his third or fourth game for the Grizzlies very important for him to be on the court he brings a level of toughness Mm -hmm. uh to that to that team that I think is very important and I think that Memphis Grizzlies fans especially who expect their team to be tough love i think they really enjoy dylan brooks and and i i agree dude i i don't know if he's taken a shot this far into the season without saying and one to a referee oh, he's screaming it every single play every shot it's every shot and one and he's never committed a foul never never committed a foul in his entire life uh you know but that's not unique to him i think most basketball players would say that they almost never commit a foul i mean it's just it's just the kind of the the way that that you know basketball is played versus how it's refereed uh, but he's a very important piece to this team. And I think once now that he's back, you know, they started off pretty good. Memphis did. And then they hit the skids a little bit. And I, I do think having him back will be really important for the team moving forward. The Steven Adams piece, I think, is interesting because he kind of at times plays the the Draymond Green role for them where, you know, you're right. Setting screens, rebounding. He only had two points last night, but he had 10 rebounds and five assists. And his passing, I think, has been underrated throughout his entire career, the guy can pass the ball. 
Uh, and then obviously you can just use him as a shield uh, anytime you want. And you want to get a you want to get a little, uh, you know, curl coming around him for jaw, or you want to get a little you know, pick and pop for Dylan Brooks. It, it's all good. And I, I do appreciate Steven Adams on that team. Uh, obviously two points is not great. You would love to see a little bit more out of your starting center, but it was exactly what the team was needing out of him. Uh, I think he continues to deliver. And then when you move uh, Anthony Melton, who's a very, very good backup point guard out of the starting lineup, it just gives everyone a little bit more breath and space and time on the court where when he was starting with Dylan Brooks out, it was a little congested in the be- and the depth off the bench wasn't there. They're a good team, man. I mean, I, I think, they're going to be exciting. I expect them to be in in the mix for another play-in seed kind of thing. I mean, it's going to be real tough for them to crack into the top six. I don't expect that to happen this season for them, but I do think they'll be fighting for that seven, eight, nine, ten seed. And I think they'll achieve one of those spots uh, over the course of the season. But uh, I do want to go back to the Clippers real quick because I did have some stats for you. You threw out one that was really important about the plus-minus for Luke Kennard. I also saw a stat today that was uh, the on-off court net ratings. So how how good a, a team is playing with a particular player on the court versus how good they're playing when he's off the court. Luke Kennard is also second in the entire NBA in that statistic. And to me, something that you've brought up time and time again, and it sounds like maybe you're uh, you know kind of coming to terms with it a little bit more is Eric Bledsoe starting. While I I know that starting versus finishing isn't is there's a, there's a big difference there. Starting is, is nice. It gives you a pat on the back and goes, oh, yeah, you're a starting player. And it gives that little ego, that little confidence boost that these guys need uh, for players of the caliber of Eric Bledsoe. So I don't necessarily think that you need to change the starting lineup. But Luke Kennard needs to be on the floor more, uh, and, and, and especially in finishing scenarios. I think he needs to be on the court as much as possible. His minutes need to go up because your entire team plays better when he's on the court and it's, and it's pretty obvious to see granted that only happens when he's hitting shots. And right now the dude is hitting shots. So if the percentage starts to drop for him, then okay, you know, maybe you don't need him on the court as much, but right now the guy needs the ball in his hands as much as possible. He needs to be on the court as much as possible. And right now his defensive inabilities are not uh, impacting your team as much as they have in the past because his offense is offsetting that in a positive fashion. But something that that I saw with this particular stat as well, and it speaks to the point that I'm trying to make, is conversely, Eric Bledsoe right now is at the very bottom of the NBA uh, in the in the top in the bottom five players of that same on off court rating. Whereas he when he is on the court, he the Clippers are minus 25 with the on off court. So I do think that has to improve. And I think when it does, whether that means Bledsoe starts shooting better. Uh, and stopped turning the ball over. I think he did that a, a few times in that Memphis game. There has to be a little bit more balance between those two players in particular for the Clippers, just based on the analytics, for the Clippers to, to win more games. Uh, but look, you, I mean, you've lost two games out of the last three, but before that you had a very nice winning streak. So I think you should be pretty happy with how the things are going thus far, right? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy. And, and again, the player that we don't talk about enough is, is Nico, is Nicholas Batum. I mean, he's been just so great for us all season. And, and you know, that stat with Bledsoe, every single game that, that we played this season, we've been taking L's in the first quarter. And that's when, that's when Eric Bledsoe is playing. We really need to come out of the gates better. I'm just, I'm, I'm happier with Bledsoe now than I was a week and a half ago. 
I just see, again, with the chemistry, I think he's figuring out his role on the team. I want Eric Bledsoe on the court playing defense. I want that. I mean, he brings it every single night. He's been doing it his whole career. But you're right about Luke. The only issue is we have to have players on the floor that can get him those looks because he cannot create his own shot as far as coming off the dribble. He's very good with the pump fake, step to the side, pull the three. You very rarely see left-handed shooters that love to go right and pull up right, you know, and he's very good at that. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that confidence that that Ty Lue and everybody's been talking about. We Reggie. Reggie will just keep firing until it till it till it goes. Right? <laughs> Reggie gives zero fucks if he misses yeah. his first four shots. Yeah. Because we need to take some of that load off of Paul George. And the one thing Memphis does very well, they did it in the first game and in this game last night, was they're adamant about not letting or making Paul George work for it. Not mm-hmm. one player's on him. Two players are on him at all times. He I think Dylan good. Brooks did a very good job with that too. He did. That's why I hate him so much. He's a very <laughs> he's a very good defender. And like Seaman said last night, he's an instigator. Fans love instigators. If there's one thing about Memphis that Memphis likes is defense and people that bring it every single night. Marcus Morris is an instigator. Patrick Beverly is an instigator. Dylan Brooks, Cameron Payne. These guys are guys that are like, you know, they're just assholes and they're it's just the little shit that Dylan Brooks does. It's the point like, yo, it's the first quarter. Why are you pointing at your forehead? You just hit one three. Chill out. Paul George just <laughs> gave you three in a row, bro. Chill. Anyways, <clears throat> Brian Seaman, for those that don't know, is our announcer, the Clippers announcer. And he loves when Amir Coffee plays because he has funds and things to say when Amir Coffee plays. So the first thing I said when Amir started last night, I'm like, oh, great. Like, Seaman's going to break out. It took him approximately like 25 seconds to break out his new Amir Coffee phrases. And last night was a new one I've never heard before. And this was after he made a bucket. It was. Don't worry, be frappy. Okay. Wow. I heard I, was, I heard I heard coffee break when he went when he went to the sideline. There is coffee break. So don't worry, be frappy. I know he had that written down, circled, like, yo, I got it. And Fratello, when he said that, Mike Fratello was announcing the game last night. You can just he like shaking his head, like, oh boy, I didn't miss this, right? No, no. And then no. Amir hit his hit his second, his second uh three-pointer, and he said, Deja brew. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm like, okay, Stephen, we get it. All right, let's move. Let's move on. Before we move on, mm-hmm. in the beginning of that Memphis Clippers game, your boy Seaman said that he dunked a basketball in his life. He said, and it- I don't. I I googled. I spent I, I, pro- I don't know probably too many minutes on Google trying to find out how tall Brian Seaman is, and the only number that I could come up with is five foot seven. Five and seven I, I'm, so short, dude. I'm hoping that's wrong. I'm hoping that's incorrect because it, it was on this weird facts, factsbuddy.com site that I just don't even know how they would pull this shit out of their ass. That he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. He has no measurements, metrics anywhere on the internet. I need to know how tall Brian Seaman is because if he is five seven and he dunked a basketball, that is one of the most unbelievable athletic feats of a white man, maybe ever. I don't know. I mean, Mac McClung is at least 5'10". So, like, that means Brian Seaman is Spud Webb out there. I think it's fun. There are two things regarding that. One, I don't think that you say that on national TV if you don't mean it, right? Um, I've never heard him say that before, but I mentioned to you, like, he hoops. Like, I, him and Corey talk about playing. Like, I don't know if they're if it's pickup game or men's league. or I know Corey plays out here in Newport yeah. or Huntington, wherever he's at. Is Brian Seaman playing in that? I don't know. But the other fun fact about that is I never see Seaman standing up. 
ever. Okay. So maybe that's because he's working with Jim Jackson and Corey Maggette. Maybe, maybe he is five, seven. And there's just the, the disparity before, you know, between heights might look really bad. And then the other thing is I've never even seen him standing next to Fratello. Fratello's a legit, like five, seven, that kind of guy. Fratello's small. But five seven seems really tiny for a guy dunking. So I, that's a forty plus inch vertical right there. So I I think the information that I found has to be wrong. My guess is he's probably closer to six feet, if not at least at six feet. Which is again still even if he's six feet, that's very impressive to be able to dunk a basketball at that size. Yeah, that's my height. That's my height, and I'd be so impressed if I was dunking. Absolutely. So we need. Uh, we need if anybody we need more. knows, if anybody knows Brian Seaman, who I wanted on the show, I don't understand why I can't get him. His Instagram is like he has like 135 followers. Like, let me get get on here with us, please. I would I would ask for you to reach out to our boy Tomer to see if we can get the inside scoop as to how tall. See if Seaman just is permanently seated. Uh, or if he's ever seen standing up at some point in his in his uh, interactions with him, I'd love to get Tomer's insight in the inside scoop. That's a perfect guy to ask. I, I will do that. I'll reach out for you. Drew. All right, cool. Uh, let's let's take one minute and and give the Suns their props. We don't talk about them enough. They're on a huge roll. Is it ten in a row right now? Yep, ten in a row. Ten in a row. They're on a huge roll. They're clicking. Talking about teams with chemistry. They're looking really good. What's your thoughts on the on the Suns right now? The Suns are are interesting, right? They had they had a really kind of a rough start where they were one in three, uh, and then they've won ten, ten games in a row, haven't lost since that one in three start. And I think the most interesting thing uh, about the Suns is the team play, right? Like a lot has been made of Golden State's team play and Washington and Chicago, but the Suns have still, I mean, yet again, gone under the radar as one of the best teams in the NBA this year. And it really is a team level basketball. Chris Paul has not been shooting very well this year. He has a couple nights where he's the Chris Paul that we've seen, but he's leading the league. He's leading the league in assists and steals. Chris Paul at this age, which is phenomenal, it just speaks to how good that that guy is and what a kind of a basketball genius he is. Because assists and steals—that's all vision. That's all mental. That's anticipation. That's knowing where guys are supposed to be on the court, and then being able to actually you know, drop a dime when, it, when they need to. Um, so obviously leadership from him, very important. Rather, and, they're, and they're winning games. I mean, the Dallas game, for instance, they just beat Dallas, who didn't no, have Luka. Luka rolled his ankle at the very end of the game against the Chicago or Denver. Something, something happened there. I think maybe it was Denver. I think it was Denver. And I think Austin Rivers rolled onto his ankle, very similar to the way that LeBron's ankle was rolled on by Solomon Hill last year, which is not good because it turned the ankle turned inward which you never want. You would much rather have an outward turn for the ankle. So we'll see how long Luke goes out for, uh, which is not good for Dallas. But Porzingis is really stepping up this year, man. I, don't, I almost don't want to bring it up because every, I feel like every time we talk about him being good, it immediately goes south. Uh, but Dallas took them to a pretty tight game without their best player. Uh, and the, the Suns with Chris Paul not shooting well still pulled it out. Uh, the other interesting piece is that Devin Booker, who is a guy that we all know and love and, and expect him to be doing very well is averaging his, I think it's his second lowest points per game in his career this year. And they're still winning. And it's what that ball, means Drew, is it's the ball. What's that? It's the ball. Drew. It's gotta be the ball. <laughs> it's, it's the, he's still averaging 22 points a game. It's, it's, you know, not too shabby, but it's down. I think his, his sophomore year, he was averaging 22 and a half. And right now he's averaging 22.3 or something like that. Uh, 
And again, it means that everybody else in the squad is scoring at the levels they should be. They had a period of time where DeAndre Ayton wasn't in the lineup uh, due to some injury. So I think it's very impressive that the Suns have been able to, to reel off 10 in a row. And it doesn't really matter who they've played. Now, there is a stat out there that says through the first uh, 14 games, they have the easiest schedule in the NBA, right? So when when we've talked about early starts for teams like the Bulls and the Wizards and the Warriors and all that stuff and how they've, how they've done well, it's always easy for us to analyze the schedule and go like, well, those are scheduled wins. They should really win those those wins. But with, with Phoenix, I think that's also the case, but they have had um, not the, the most amazing start to some of their key players that we, ex- we would expect to have them to have when they're in the midst of a 10-game win streak, the longest streak uh, in the NBA thus far this season. And if they win one more, it'll reach the longest streak that they've had in the last like 20, 25 years, I think, if they go to 11. Uh, so we'll see how they continue to, to play here. Um, also, Drew, this is during a really tough time with them, with everything going on with the owner too. They're winning ball games. Exactly, and so they they play they play Dallas again uh, tonight. Then it's Denver as well, but then it's San Antonio, Cleveland, Knicks, Brooklyn, Golden State. So there's there's going to be a challenge for them in these next coming games, and we'll see how they fare through that. But right now, uh, I think they're in a great spot. Not too many people are talking about them. Uh, my uncle Donnie hit me up yesterday after watching the game, and and he he is enjoying watching them play. And I think everyone that is tuning into a Suns game is seeing good basketball. Is, and uncle, I think that's, is uncle Donnie a Suns fan? Uncle Donnie, he is a Suns fan. He he's he's out in in Buffalo, like Rochester, New York. They don't have a squad that they, she should probably be a Clippers fan, but they left a long time ago. Uh, so yeah, I think he is a Suns fan. But I mean, he currently is right now because. I, again, I think it's 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 easy to identify good basketball when you watch a Suns game, and I know it's a West Coast team, so not a lot of East Coasters are going to always be staying up watching the late night games. Um, but it it would behoove everyone to pay attention to this team uh, because they're just they're just playing good. They're deep, and I think they're in a great spot to to maintain what what the level that they are. I mean, obviously the the winning streak will come to an end one way or the other. Uh, they're not going to win. They're not going to just only lose three games in the season, but. I also think the way that, you know, we've talked about the Warriors and how Steph is not exactly, you know, reaching his career numbers from percentages means that they have more room for growth. I think that's similar to the way that Chris Paul and Devin Booker uh, still have room to get better this season. And I think they will continue to improve and get back to their normal shooting percentages and points per game that we're used to. Uh, but it, Chris Paul, man, I mean, it, it, uh, he's turning back the hands of time continuously. I'm, I'm just amazed by him. You know my feelings about Chris Paul, so we don't even need to go on another tangent. But, yeah, he's just he's amazing. Like you said, leading the NBA in steals and assists, what do you want from your point guard? That's what you want from your point guard. John Stockton did the same thing. You know, he would lead the NBA in steals and assists every season. That's why I felt that he was a really great point guard. And when your point guard is the guy, well, first of all, when your leader and your point guard is is putting it on the line every night for defense, it has to get everybody else, in, uh, you know, bought into that. That's what Patrick Beverly used to do for the Clippers. That's why, you know, when Kawhi and PG, all these guys, makes you want to play defense, man. And defense is so important in the game of basketball. I want to bring up, you know, I love me some Stephen A. I know a lot of people don't like Stephen A. I love Stephen A. He has gotten a little dramatic over the years, but he was saying something. You know, this is a New York guy. He's from Hollis, big time Knicks fan, and and he's been, you know, he's been hard obviously on Kyrie 
but he went in on 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 the Nets the other night, saying how he feels sorry for for Kevin Durant, like he didn't sign up for this. I had never he brought. I, I was watching that Nets Golden State game, and really good telling, game for the first half. Great game, and I was telling my boy Stan, our friend Stan, who's from New York. I'm like, I have never seen anybody in New York cheer for another player like Steph. Like that whole arena was cheering for Steph Curry, not Kevin Durant, not anybody on on the Nets, but they were cheering for for Steph Curry, which I get it. Like probably the most beloved NBA player we've ever had, right? Maybe, I mean, everybody loved Magic, right? Not everybody liked MJ. Not well, everybody the, liked Kobe. Huh? The Celtic the Celtics hated Magic, right? Right. So like all the Celtics fans, there. I I agree with. I don't think I don't think there's been a more universally loved player in the history of the NBA. Michael Jordan, maybe. No, because but Knicks, every Knicks, ask a Knicks fan though, they hate Michael Jordan. And right. the Detroit fans, yeah, yeah, the list is long for for fans that hate him, but they they loved him at the same time. You know what I mean? They almost loved, loved to watching hate him. him. Loved watching yeah. him. But you're, I just even, I mean, everybody loves Steph, and I get it. Box office. You know when people say box office, that means people pay to go see you. Steph is one of those guys that you pay to go see. Like I would, I would pay to go see Steph Curry. Would I? Would I break the bank to go watch Demar Derozan play? Probably not. Is he a great <laughs> player? Yeah, he is. But you get what I'm saying here. But yeah. Stephen A was just like, yo, bro, I feel bad for you because KD's having probably the best numbers of his career. You're talking about MVP status. He came to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving. You're seeing that, you know, Harden's numbers are down big time this year because he's not getting to the line as much. I think he's averaging 20 points a game, which, again, like you said, is, is still good. Booker at 22 is still very good, but they're not Harden-esque numbers that we're used to. And I, I just don't know, man. At the beginning of this season, we're talking – Nets are going to go into the finals. It's pretty much guaranteed. And then we're looking at this squad and it's, I don't know. And the record's still good, Drew. I'm not, I'm not writing them off. Like they can't win a title and not whatnot, but what are your thoughts on the Nets right now? Well, I think Stephen A, uh, it's interesting that he would, he would say something like that after the Nets game where James Harden played better than Kevin Durant in that game. Um, and that's just the truth. Durant was off. It may, it may have been the first time this entire season this far that he had an off shooting night, but he was. He only scored 19 points. And 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 Harden had 24 in that game against Golden State. And then the, the following game uh, against the Cavs had 27 points. So I think Harden is is actually now played himself into the shape. And I would expect him to continue down this path as the season progresses. Now, perhaps what Stephen A was referring to is is the Kyrie thing. We've known he we know he has an issue with. Uh, you know, the reasoning behind why Kyrie is not on the team. And I think those points that he makes are valid. Uh, I think the Nets would be significantly better with Kyrie Irving on the floor. I also think that they probably would be better with Spencer Dinwiddie, who was on the team that they let go because of Kyrie. And I think had they known that Kyrie was going to hold out, they might have, you know, shelled out some cash to keep Spencer on the, on the floor. Uh, I think the Nets finally have figured out that Bruce Brown deserves to be in the starting lineup. The guy, the guy plays a Draymond Green role, if you want to call it that, but it's more of a finisher than Draymond Green. He's he's everywhere, defensively, offensively. Um, I think Bembry is actually a very good addition to that team. We've seen Patty Mills do well. Marcus Aldridge is stepping up. I just I don't agree with Stephen Ace sentiment uh, that you know Kevin Durant is you know is being disappointed here. Uh, he is having a great year, uh, you know, kind of almost a career year from him, efficiency wise. Um, but I think everyone else is starting to get where they should be. It takes a little while for these new pieces to gel. 
uh, you know, and I just think, I think it's, it's looking fine. Yes. They lost big to golden state. And that's a, that's a, you know, Stephen A is a very reactionary guy. We know that he's always in the moment and he has so many things that he's constantly speaking about that he has to make a point. And sometimes his points just fall deaf to me. They don't, they don't make sense. And that one in particular didn't make any sense to me because Harden was clearly the best player on the floor for, for the nets in that particular game against, uh, the warriors, the Steph Curry phenomenon is awesome. I love it. I, I, I agree with you that it is very odd to see a Brooklyn Nets uh, stadium just just completely kind of jump ship on the, on the team that they're supposed to be rooting for. Um, but it also does speak to the fact that I think this Brooklyn Nets team doesn't really have any fans. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like it's something to go to. It's like a show. You go because it's in Brooklyn and you have the money. You want to go see Steph Curry. You want to go see Durant. Fine. There's no dyed in the wool Brooklyn Nets fans out there, in my opinion. I'm sure there if they are. are. If there are, they're probably in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Also, to that point, the tickets I saw were seven dollars, you know, for seats at Barclays. And then, you know, down down the road at MSG, you're not getting in for less than a hundred, you know? It's yeah. like it's it's a, an experience to go to the garden. I don't think it's an experience to go to a Nets game. And I'm not sure they have an identity either. Like you said, a fan base as well. Where are the diehard Brooklyn Nets guys? You know, is it just the people from Brooklyn? But, you know, I think the people from Brooklyn are Knicks fans. Most likely. Most <laughs> likely. You're right. So you saying that they're probably in Jersey. You're probably right. You know, um, yeah. people, people want to pay to see Kevin Durant play. I'd pay to see Kevin Durant play. I would definitely pay more than $7 to see Kevin Durant play. I, I also think that like the phenomenon of Steph is something that we kind of got used to for a period of time. I mean, look, dude, from like 2014 to like 18, really, every stadium was cheering for Steph Curry when he it was the best show like, in town. Best show in town. Absolutely. People were showing up to watch him warm up. I mean, that's that's the level of fame and attraction that he was. And I think he's back there again. I think he's back because... Uh, they they're seeing how good this Warriors team is right now. They're clicking, they're clicking. And I think when clay comes back, that'll, that'll, you know, double down even further. People are chomping at the bit to see clay Thompson out there with Steph again. Uh, but I just, I also think it's, a, it's, it's one of these things where maybe people are realizing when Steph actually hangs up the shoes, we're never going to see this again. I mean, I really do think that that, that might be something that people are thinking about. I mean, and he's nowhere near retiring. Look, the guy's, <laughs> I mean, kind of peaking right now again. It's unbelievable. But I just think for people that have an opportunity to go see Steph, I think they're taking advantage of it. And, you know, with the year that we had with no fans, I would imagine that if the fans were, were still in the stands for those periods of time, it, it, I don't think it would have died down. I think still Steph it garnishes the largest number of fans throughout the United States and perhaps the world. I totally agree. I think the crazy thing is, is every single night it's something new with this guy, right? And us being basketball junkies and basketball fans, we've been around the game a really long time. I've been around the game a lot. I've seen a lot of really good players. I've seen the greatest shooters ever, I think. You know, I remember watching Dale Ellis in oh, yeah. one day. And it was it was just bucket after bucket. I was I was the ball boy. I was shagging for him. I'm like, dude, and he was amazing. I shagged for Dell Curry. Who was yep. amazing. The thing that's wild about Steph is the joy that you're seeing him play with. The smiles. This guy does not stop smiling during the game. You can see when he even shocks himself. Like the other night when he remember the foul, he got fouled and just 
threw up the three-pointer and just turned around and looked. And it was buckets, right? He puts his arms in the air like, I don't know. I just don't. It reminds me of Billy o, Billy Ho in White Man Can't Jump when he's hitting the hook shots yeah. to, to, to get Rosie Perez into jeopardy, right? And he's like, I, yeah. I just don't know. It's his lucky shot. It's, it's the amount of fun he's having doing it. How do you not like it? How do you not like seeing the joy that he's having the fun? Because at the root of everything in sports and in basketball is, is the fun of playing. I have chills saying this right now. That's what I miss the most about basketball is being with my friends and having fun playing the game that I'm good at and that I love. And I see that with Steph on the court. What we're also seeing is something so beyond the realm of basketball and what we've known to be basketball is what Steph is doing. It's not just the three-point shooting. It's not just the dribbling. It's everything. It's all-encompassing. It's everybody else that he's making better. It's seeing the fans just fucking love this guy. I wouldn't trust anybody if they came up and said, you know, man, fuck Steph Curry. I don't, I don't like that guy. You know what, bro? There's some, there's probably something really internally wrong with you, right? It's a it's a really great show, and, and Steph is a showman at, at its best. And uh, it's just really fun to watch, man. And the fact that these guys are really going to be able to compete for a championship after that long run that they have, most people, you know, they fall, and they did fall. They did. And then pandemic hit and now they're right here again. So it's a fun show to watch, man. Yeah. I, I, you know, this is a dynasty on our hands here and say what you want about whether or not you agree with the whole dynasty moniker, but the Spurs never won two championships in a row. And most people agree that that was a dynasty, right? We're in the midst of a warrior's dynasty. And I, if they can get back to a conference finals or even a finals in this year or the next to me, that's a continuation of a dynasty and, and you lose two of the best players on your team in, in a matter of what, like 40 minutes, Durant tears his Achilles, Clay goes out with the ACL. Of course, you're going to have a fucking down year. Like, you know, what, what do you, what do you expect? Right. Um, but the moves that the Warriors have made, I also want to tip the cap to our guy, Bob Myers, the GM, man, he is, he is making moves that are fantastic. Flipping D'Lo for Andrew Wiggins. Man, oh man, what a great fucking move that was. But I think Warriors uh, fans are finally realizing how good Wiggins really is when he's put in that right situation. We've all known that Wiggins can play. I don't I think there's a few, including Jeff Crompton, our our house uh Warriors fan, who wasn't a big fan of of Andrew Wiggins at all. But now we're looking at it like, holy shit, he stepped in and played a really, really big role since Clay's been gone. I think all the Warriors fans that are down on Wiggins just need to remember that it could be D'Angelo Russell out there instead, yeah. right? Just remember that. Remember that that's what that was and how bad that was. So, you know, it was definitely an improvement. Uh, but it, just to the point that you're making about Steph, the stat that I think blew everyone away most recently is the number of games that he's had with nine plus three-pointers. It's 38. And it, it he just did it last night against Cleveland again. It's, it's insane. He's had 38 games with nine or more three-pointers. And the list, the reason why it's so shocking is because the next best is nine total, James Harden and Damian Lillard, who we both assume sometimes to be on Steph's level. It's not even close. It's not even fucking close. And the most interesting piece to this, though, is the, the, the guy that you would not expect to be on the list, at least I didn't, is J.R. Smith, who's made this list. He had five games with nine wow. or more threes shout out to jr smith i hope the golfing is going well uh but that's it's pretty incredible stuff and he's definitely he's going to surpass ray allen this season 
and he's going to be the out-and-out number one three-point shooter in the history of the, of the NBA as far as makes. And it's well-deserved. He's going to be like John Stockton in these lists. When you look at career numbers and you go, oh, my God, John Stockton has how many more thousand assists than the next guy? It's going to be like that with Steph when he's all said and done. He's going to be so far ahead that no one's ever going to catch him. That's a really good call. When you look at the uh, the numbers for John Stockton, we're talking thousands ahead of like yeah. Jason Kidd is Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is like three and a half thousand assists below John Stockton. That's what it's going to look like when Steph is done, right. and compared so, to Ray Allen. Hey, really quick on the Nets again. There was a and we have to talk about Ben Simmons. I don't want to talk about him a lot, but there was a, a, a conversation piece that happened this morning where. They were talking about Philly just keeping, Maury keeping Simmons on the team for a year to try to go for Harden next season, depending on how this season pans out for the Nets and the, the, the Harden experiment on the squad. You know, would that be something that they should entertain? Like, let's just not play Ben Simmons the rest of this season and go for James Harden next year, because I think James Harden wouldn't mind being in Philly um, if this doesn't work out. What do you think about that? I know you you had something you wanted to say about a trade scenario for Ben Simmons. I don't think James Harden is going to leave Brooklyn. I don't believe that. I don't think Brooklyn is going to be willing to let him go with the with the the Kyrie Irving situation the way that it is. Uh, James Harden is very valuable to that but team. What's his contract right now, Drew? I think what's the deal? Oh, he's going to have to get extended. He didn't sign an extension, so he probably wants a big bag. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because he just recently moved to the Nets, they can't offer him anything just yet. That would be a, probably of of the the numbers that he wants to reach. So he thinks he's going to get there with free agency. And I, I think he will. And I think the Nets will pay. I think the Nets will absolutely pay to keep him there. Uh, and I think Philly has a better shot at getting Kyrie out of, out of Brooklyn <laughs> than they do getting James Harden out of there. Uh, but look, Daryl Morey obviously almost made the trade for James Harden initially last year, and instead he goes to Brooklyn. I think that decision for James Harden is not going to change. I think he loves playing with Kevin Durant. I think he, I think he truly believes, as well as Kevin Durant, that they are one of the best teams in the NBA. I firmly believe that myself. And I think as slow of a start as James Harden has had, like I said, he's picking it up. He's he's getting to the free throw line more. He's he's in the twenties points per game. He's assisting very well. Uh, you know his defense obviously is not going to be his calling card ever. Uh, but look, I understand why Daryl Morey wants James Harden. I think we all understand that. I also think that Simmons. <laughs> why would the Nets want Ben Simmons? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why would you ever want to trade? <laughs> James Harden for Ben Simmons. It just it makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, so yeah, I get uh, Daryl's going to try and say shit like this. I mean, he's just going to continue to kind of fan this flame, if you will. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to resign to this idea that we're going to get Ben Simmons out of here for pennies. It's just not going to happen. So of course I expect Daryl Morey to start throwing out names all over the goddamn place. Well, he threw out Jeremy Grant in a pick and I just Jeremy don't Grant enough. Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, and Kelly Olynyk has been discussed and apparently are, are ongoing conversations. Uh, I don't know necessarily why they would want that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, look, Tyrese Maxey is a guy that we haven't necessarily brought up that often. He is crushing it for this team. Vaulted into the starting lineup after the first couple games. Absolutely important, vital to this team. So I can see why they don't necessarily need a point guard in return. But Jeremy Grant, I just I don't I don't see that at all. Like why that guy wants to shoot 25 times a game. Why would he go to a team where he's like third or fourth fiddle again? Mm -hmm. That's why he said no to Denver. 
I just, I don't see that happening. I think Olenek is a nice piece. Sure. I think every team should want Olenek, seven foot, three point shooter. Awesome. Sadiq Bey, eh, I don't know. It's probably gonna be waived. So I just think Daryl is doing exactly what I expected out of him. He's going to continue to throw darts at a dartboard and go, I'm not going to budge until a star that he deems star, quote unquote star is coming back my way. And I don't think Jeremy Grant's the answer to that problem. Right. I did, however, come up with the trade that I think will appease everybody. Uh, I was messing around with the trade machine on ESPN. It's one of my favorite things to do when I'm bored. And uh, another guy that was brought up in conversations for trades with Ben Simmons is the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown. Shams Sharania posted that Daryl would want Jalen Brown from the Celtics if the Celtics are interested in, in acquiring Ben Simmons. And of course, all the Celtics are like, fuck you. Get the hell out of here. Why? We're not doing that. However, I do think perhaps the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum experiment may have run its course, similarly to the way that Joel Embiid and Simmons has run its course. And I think the third team that I was able to kind of finagle in there to make this a little bit more appealing to everybody is Minnesota. Now, Minnesota had a good start to the season. They have been pretty shit since then. Uh, even though they beat the Lakers, uh, who have also been shit. But Minnesota has a track record of poor trades. And they also have a track record of losing while Carl Anthony Towns is their number one star. I think the Timberwolves are ready to hand the keys over to Anthony Edwards. And I think Carl Anthony Towns could potentially be traded. I think he's probably unhappy there. I don't know. I don't really know whether or not he's happy there. Uh, but I think it's probably time for some new scenery for Carl Anthony Towns. I think he deserves a chance at a winning organization, at a winning franchise. So this is what I've come up with, Clips. Carl Anthony Towns goes to the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown goes to Philadelphia, the Sixers. And Ben Simmons goes to Minnesota, the Timberwolves. I think that, to me, answers a lot of questions between all these teams that are looking for a different scenario for all of them. And, the, and I think the only downfall would be Minnesota not wanting to do this because they know how good Carl Anthony Towns is. But defense has, has been a problem for them since Jimmy Butler left. And even when he was on the team, defense is a problem. Ben Simmons does not want to shoot. They got D'Angelo Russell. They got Anthony Edwards on that team that all they want to do is shoot. They have a very serviceable center in Nas Reed. I think they could look good potentially with Ben Simmons. And look, at the very least, you get Ben Simmons in as a T-Wolves player, he'll be on the court, you assume. You'll ha he'll actually play. And then even if it doesn't necessarily mesh, you have another trade option in Ben Simmons, hopefully at a higher value than when he came in because he should be able to play his way out of this ridiculousness that he's in right now. So I think the only flaw there is that Minnesota probably says no because Carl Anthony Towns is good and, and the best player on the team, I think. But I also think it might be a time for changing of the guard there. Uh, it, Carl Anthony Towns has been a good player. They haven't done anything with him. They have new ownership. They have a new GM. They have a new coach. Let's keep it going. Let's fucking spin the wheels. And I think if you're Boston, I think maybe Carl Anthony Towns is the answer to the prayers that you've been having. You can play him with Al Horford. Jason Tatum obviously is going to be a great uh, number one option, but Carl Anthony Towns is the best shooting big man that we've had in the league since Dirk Nowitzki. I think that could work beautifully. And of course, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, Jalen Brown is exactly who you're looking for at this point.
to get rid of Ben Simmons. What do you think of that? I'm all in. I think 100% it works for everybody. I think you're totally right with the fact that a lot of these things have run its course. It's run its course in Minnesota. And let's get the value. Carl Anthony Towns is still young. I think the Celtics would love to have Carl Anthony Towns. That's the big man that they've been looking for. Jalen Brown would be perfect in, in Philly. And the thing that makes it even better is I would love for Ben Simmons to be exiled to Minnesota. It would be the, it would be, you know, being from Australia, going to Minnesota would probably be the worst place. But like you said, the best place for Ben Simmons basketball wise, you know, I think, uh, Spot on with handing the keys over to Anthony Edwards. He is a franchise talent. Put him with another guy that wants to play defense. Jaden McDaniels, too, is on that team. I love Nas Reed. I think that works for everybody, and I'm here for it. I think it's time. I think D'Lo and Cat are really good friends, though. But come on, friendship, what do you, what do you want? What do, what do you want? What's the whole goal of playing in the NBA? You want to win. I think that would, that would definitely boost Boston. Because they're in this they're in this purgatory place right now. You're not a championship team. You're not a bottom of the barrel team. But and I'm in the chemistry that that Jalen and Tatum have is really good. But it's it, it could be better. Somebody needs to be there. There needs to be one number one, and the number one needs to be Jason Tatum. And I think a perfect Robin to Jason Tatum would be Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm all for it. I think it's a win win win. I think that there might have to be some more smaller pieces involved in this for the Ben Simmons thing, like Ben Simmons for, for, for Jalen Brown, essentially would there'd have to be more coming from Boston, but I think they, they got some pieces in there that they could throw in. I think, I think what you would end up doing is you probably give a first round from Boston to Minnesota Mm -hmm. and maybe you throw in a first or a second compensatory, some sort of, you know, swap pick swap or something mm-hmm. from Philly to Minnesota to, to just to sweeten the deal, right? Because they're giving up what they view as their cornerstone. But really, I I truly believe it's Anthony Edwards' team now. I think it's time for them to just say fuck it. Let's see what this kid can do, and let's try and build around him because you're not going nowhere right now with Carl Anthony Towns on this team, as good as he is. And I think you're right as far as like Batman Robin shit. I think Carl Anthony Towns is very comfortable being the number two option. Uh, I think he I think he would welcome the opportunity to play for a historic franchise like the Boston Celtics. I think he would welcome playing with Jason Tatum. I can just see him really rounding out this Boston Celtics team and actually giving them some direction that they haven't had since they've reached the, the conference finals a couple years back. And look, man, it's the time is now. This shit needs to get done. Ben Simmons needs to move. Right. Cat needs to move. And Jalen Brown needs the, the Celtics need to make a move. And it's, it wins for everybody. Everybody gets a young piece, a young star, because they're all stars. I don't know necessarily think they're superstars, but they are young stars. And down the road here, they're going to have to pay Anthony Edwards. If you want this guy to be here for six years, at least to get a shot at this shit, then you need to pay this guy some money. But I yeah. think that's great, Drew. I'm, I'm with that. I'm for it. And they need the, there's no better time than right now. Like just Got to do it now. Yeah, get it done. I'm with it. Do you have any final thoughts or was that your final? Actually, first, no, prize picks. We need to talk about prize picks. If you guys haven't downloaded the app yet, get on it. It's the easiest way to fantasy and to win some money. And Drew actually had a bounce back. You had a bounce back this week. Yeah, I did. I did okay this week. I won a couple, which is good. Uh, I slowed down. I haven't haven't started parlaying together like six and seven 
options. Uh, so that was helpful. But yeah, I'm looking forward to continue my winning streak today. Uh, I have a few plays. Uh, I've, I have been missing a bit on the points per game overs and unders. So today I'm staying away from that. I'm going with more rebounds, assists, and three-pointers made. So tonight I have Scotty Barnes for the Toronto Raptors, probably the rookie of the year thus far. Against the Sacramento Kings, I have him at over six and a half rebounds. I think he's going to get at least seven boards in that game. He's just everywhere. I think he's just kind of Mr. Do-it-all for that squad. And I think he's going to play a lot tonight. And hopefully it'll be a close game. So he has to play throughout the entire game so he can reach that point or to reach that number of, of rebounds. I do have your boy, Paul George. Clippers are playing the Pelicans. Um, and I think Paul George and the Clippers should have a good night after a shitty shitty performance against Memphis. I have Paul George over four and a half assists. I think that can very easily happen. Maybe even the first half depends on how the shooting goes for the rest of the guys he's dishing the ball to. And then I got a, a flyer here. It's Jonas Valanciunas against the Clippers. As I mentioned, all he has to do is hit one, three. I got him over 0.5 threes made. He only has to hit one. I know he's going to take at least two, three, four of them. I expect him to hit at least one, and I'm going to be winning some money tonight. I think that's that's a, that's the hardest one you have there, I think. I like the balls you have on that one. Yeah. Because uh, I, I like that. I went with um, with Blake. So we got the Nets versus Orlando. I got Blake over five rebounds. I need him to get six. And then I took the same Paul George, four and a half, uh, over four and a half assists. Look, Paul George is, is leading the team in points, rebounds, and assists. And I think he's at five. I think he's at five assists a night. So I just need him to get five dimes. I think he's also leading them in steals as well. Steals too, yes. But he's no, one he's, of four. He's one of four players to do that in the NBA to lead lead his team in, in every category. The other three are Jokic, uh, Giannis, and Devontae Murray. Oh wait, the, so um, so Dejounte, Dejounte Murray. Sorry, Dejounte. Montrez Harrell isn't on that on that list since he's no, on surprisingly. The NBA Surprisingly, Montrezl Harrell is not leading the Wizards in scoring, and yet I don't. That one's weird. Montrez is paying. Is Montrez paying someone to to get him on these lists? He's he's just sliding somebody some money to get on the MVP list. He's he's eighteen and seven off the bench, which is yeah. like that's what he did for the Clippers too. It's great. Yeah, but six no. man of the year. Six man of the year. Fine. Perfect. No problems. No problems there. MVP. The Paul, let's get real. The Paul George hate is so obvious it just disgusts me and i think again i think people do it on purpose just to piss me off uh download the prize picks app use the code news they will match you you put in 20 you'll get 20 back play with us screenshot let us know it's easy it's fun and you can win money i'm winning money drew's winning money i don't know if drew's gonna win money tonight he needs Jonas to hit one three come on Jonas. i know i'm gonna be cheering for you drew final thoughts i believe in Jonas. um my final thought is more of a question, and it's revolving around the game that happened last night between the Clippers and the Grizzlies, and uh, one of my favorite directors, two, two completely different realms that we're talking about here, but I have a question. Who's our guy from New Zealand? Bishop? Sean Bishop? Yeah. Okay. I would love for Bish yeah. to answer this question. Who do you think is more famous in New Zealand? Steven Adams or Taika Watiti, the director of unbelievable Mar Marvel Avengers movies and fantastic films on its own. Who do you think is more famous? I, I really don't know the answer to this question. I think it might be Steven Adams, but I, I, I pose this to you, Clips, and I want to see what your take is here. First of all, I just want to hear you say the director's name one more time. One more Taika Watiti. 
I will put my money on Steven Adams. I will put my money on Steven Adams all day. If that was a prize pick, pick, I would pick Steven Adams over. Um, <laughs> how, I mean, I think cricket is huge there. So I, I, uh -huh. prob I probably think that there's a cricket player more famous than Steven Adams. But when you put Steven Adams against Tiki Watiti, I think that I said, did I say the name right? I don't know if I'm saying it right. I, I'm pretty sure you didn't say it right, but I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Well, we need Sean Bishop to answer us. Sean, Bish, let us And the other, we do have a few other New Zealanders that listen. So shout out to New Zealand. Hell we yeah. love Steven Adams. I love this dude's movies. I, I mean, they're, they're fantastic. I think he's hilarious. Um, and I just, I'm just curious because that guy's pretty famous. You know, he's, 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 you know, popping into Hollywood crowds and he's doing, you know, mega million dollar franchise type of movies. Uh, you know, obviously Steven Adams is the gem as far as the NBA goes, but I, I think it could be a close contest. Well, it's, this is totally off subject, but I am so curious in, into cricket. I've asked our boy Bish uh, about the game and why it's the most like famous game in the world. There's more people that watch cricket than they do soccer, if I'm not mistaken. And the rules are just so weird to me. And I watched this crazy documentary the other night. It's actually on Netflix. It's called like bad sport. And it's about, um, different people like cheating the game, like, you know, the point shaving and there was a huge scandal in cricket and I, and it was, it was awesome to watch, but I just don't understand the game at all. At yeah. All. This, the scoring rules of cricket uh, have always made no sense to me. And, and like the numbers that you see, like, it's like, Oh, New Zealand beat Australia 176 dash five to 163 dash seven. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? I, can you just have individual numbers? We're Americans. We don't do math very well. Okay. And like some games can take two days or three days. It's, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm, I definitely, I'm more of a rugby guy. Rugby makes sense to me. Yeah, what, right? if you you, bought, what if you bought tickets to this really crazy game? And they're like, no, nope, you know what? We're going to finish tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if you have to buy tickets for each day or if you have to do, like if you buy one ticket that covers you for the entire match and you just get to come back each day or if you just want the if you want the first day or the second i don't know man it is a very popular game uh due to, to english rule of like rule of the world really that's the main reason why it's so popular england owned like half of the known world for a while there and so like that's why like india is really good and south africa is pretty good mm -hmm. and new zealand australia all these teams that england used to own england's obviously also pretty good as well i think but uh pakistan's good it's like man well yeah, I just I don't get it. And it's one it seems like it's one of the older games, like sports that's been around. I feel like it's been around for a while, but uh, I, I enjoy watching the game. I just have no like I'll, I'll watch cricket and I'll be like, oh, man, look at that guy bowling, as they, they say, like the pitching, the bowling and the hitting and the catching and all that shit's cool. And the field is a circle. I just don't know how you win. How do you fucking win this game? Bishop, we have a lot of questions for you. Bro. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Bish and, and the New Zealand crew. Uh, okay, so my final thoughts is this. I was very, very vocal the past two years about NBA uh, City Edition jerseys. Okay. Oh, yeah. I hated them. I was, uh, you know, we were one of the pages that, you know, went heavy into showing these City Edition jerseys. I love the idea of City Edition jerseys, but I felt the past two years that the NBA just missed big time on it. I thought the only really good one last season was the, the Basquiat, the Basquiat and the, the Nets, right? Like, oh yeah, that was cool. 
I like that mixed with like the Kuji, the Biggie colors. Like I really enjoyed that. Other than those, I hated every single one of them. And I think a lot of people were with me on this. Now, the thing I was begging for was either just make the throwback jersey, like make a throwback jersey of the old school stuff, or just don't do it. Okay? Like the Nets did. Nets did this year. They're, they're doing the old like Jason Kidd jersey yeah. uh for the for the jersey nets yes well every nba team is what they did is they got it right they're taking a piece of your your history and mixing it with the the throwback jerseys and the reason why i'm bringing this up is because i have hated all of the clipper jerseys uh over the past since we went away from red and since we went away from um from the clipper font the cursive font I hated that. That's our history. I hated how we were moving. I mean, I, after Sterling, I know we needed a new look and I was, I'm fine with it. I hated the fact that we got away from the red and I wish we would bring that back at some. I agree. I, we, I, that's our color. I yeah. think it's just, it, it's a minor focal point on any one of our jerseys. Uh, I miss it. And I think at some point we need to bring it back. Clippers, you know, front office, if you're listening to this, please, Clipper fans want red. Anyways, I'm bringing this up because. I couldn't be more happy with our city edition jerseys that the Clippers I'm talking about that we broke out this year. Happy because it took our Buffalo colors Mm -hmm. and it took our San Diego Clipper colors and it mixed it with our Clipper uh, cursive. And I think they hit it on the head. Everything looks great. Uh, I want the and not to mention the nautical flag on the side of the shorts uh, which is, if people don't understand, Clippers is a Clipper ship. Uh, the nautical signs are a big part of us as well. And I just, I remember those dumbass Buffalo jerseys that we broke out with the orange and the black. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> I hate these so much. But when you look at the San Diego orange and blue and the Buffalo uh, bright blue and you put it with our Clippers cursive, I think they hit it on the head. I loved everything about it. The clip, the And, and then they also did for the warm-up shirts was the bright orange. And then they took our LA, um, which was from the Olympics. If you remember the 84 yep. Olympics, I have both of those hats. And those are on our shooting shirts. You, you, you did well, Clippers. I love it. I think I think it's the hardest-looking jersey out right now. I thought Dallas's looked great. The Nets look amazing. I love mm. everything about it. I just think the NBA did a really great job. And, I, and maybe they were listening to what we had to say because they did exactly what I felt that they should do on that. Yeah, I'm with it. I think the city of jerseys are fun. Uh, but I agree. It's it's difficult to pull the trigger on a city jersey if it looks like shit. And that's the whole idea about this, right? They want to sell more jerseys. So let's make the jerseys something that people actually want to buy. And I think they did it this year. I think across the board, I think you're right. I, I really like the Dallas Mavericks one. Uh, I love that old school Dallas, like the the blue and green that they used to have, you know, Michael Finley era. That shit was fire. And I, I really enjoy, honestly, most of the jerseys that I've seen, I can't remember one that I was like, no, that's 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 off. I mean, the Laker one, it, it, it is what it is. It's like the purple and the blue. I don't, nah, I don't know, but uh, it's fine. Uh, I, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I think maybe I'm the lowest on the Laker city jerseys out of everybody's I Miami's I will say Miami's is weird to me they're doing all this like weird lettering each number has a different you know mon like different design on each number so I I think that looks weird but I also think maybe it's maybe you know Miami is a whole nother fashion thing but I I also I thought Miami was great when they did the Miami Vice I think the Vice works like I don't think they need to do anything else minus bringing 
that the heat logo back with the with the flame coming off the H. I'm cool with that, but I thought they did. Some people either loved it or hated it. I love the pink, the blue, the white. I love those those colors, and I thought they did really well with it. But I just think the NBA as a whole did a really good job with these city jerseys, especially the Clipper jerseys. I'm going to buy a pair of shorts. You know, I don't I don't enjoy <laughs> buying jerseys. I don't believe in buying jerseys, but I will buy the shorts. So way to go, NBA. Um, anything else, Drew? You got anything else? Uh, let's get Marvin Bagley a new team. Yes, please. I'd love to see the kid on the floor at least at least once this year. Who do you think is going to play first, Ben Simmons or Marvin Bagley? You know what? I think Bagley has a better shot right now. <laughs> you do, do, does Bagley play a game before Luke gets fired? That's the question. Yeah, right, there it is. We'll see how it goes. All right, well, we're actually planning to drop more podcasts during the week. We're going to try to do two, two a week now. Uh, we have to get our schedules right. We think it's you know, the best idea for us. So we're going to be coming out with more content, more posts, more, more podcasts for you guys. So we hope you enjoy. Uh, we'll be back very soon. It is the follow through with Clips and Drew and we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow through with Clips and Drew. What up podcast? What up? What up podcast? You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the